0: are you looking for an open-minded perspective different view or a different take well this is lost in the groove society and culture podcast donor culture and deep dive see here we're all about the experience all about the journey and getting into the groove Hey, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Lost in the Groove. Uh, Today, we have a special special guest, um, which I was very, very welcome to be on their podcast, uh, which you should definitely go check that out. Uh, We have Sean Ellis Rogers. Uh, So without further ado, why don't you introduce yourself? Tell the audience a little bit about yourself, what you do, and what's this whole movement all about? Because I want to know.
1: (laughs) Hey, hey everybody. Sean Ellis Rogers here. I am the host of a lot of different podcasts. But um, the one that I'm probably here to promote today is Real Reality Realness. Um, It is the podcast podcast where I, you know, dive deeper into reality television than most people watching feel is necessary. Ask all the questions all of the questions that they don't want out all while getting to know some of my favorite content creators in the, in the process. So Monday through Friday, I have a different content creator on the show. Come on, talk about their story, their journey to creating content and how they basically, they relay their life story to me through the reality television. That's kind of threaded their life together.
0: Wow. You know, you know, we kind of forget um, how important uh, film, television shows because unfortunately we we do live in a society where you know i remember cartoon network and nickelodeon mm. when it was filthy okay i remember yes. that i was old enough to remember that as a kid on um, and yeah it was bad for us but the thing that i loved about it was it allowed us as kids especially me that were weird or kind of on the freak side or just we had something to relate to. Like I had Power Puff Girls. I had the fairy odd parents. I had Danny Phantom. Um Ed, Ed, and Eddie. You know, like th- this was this was what All made classics. It's what made my childhood. And it made me eventually to what I am now. I feel like a let me let my inner weird just be part of my daily lifestyle. But yeah.
1: whoa. <laughs> I think you should i mean we have the opportunity to curate our lives around our our passions especially now because we have so much access to technology and the internet and things like that we can pretty much do whatever we want on the internet and you know figure out a way to make a coin off of it like you know people are curating million dollar lives off of youtube people are you know doing all of the things that people have quicker access to manifest their, their dreams now. So if you want to per- personify your weirdness or your childhood or your background or the, or the show that inspire you, you like, if you don't do it now, it's your own fault, basically, because there's so many less things and obstacles that are standing in your way to do it. It's like, if you don't follow your dreams now, it's because you don't want to. I feel like, in also, my opinion.
0: I mean, I also feel like the biggest problem is now we're so much of our of television and film is so restricted on so many things they cannot say it's gotten to a point where you're sitting there and excuse me it's like eating a vanilla wafer like first of all, who the fuck just buys vanilla wafers okay this is a waste of money like you steal one from a co-worker okay <laughs> <laughs> that's what you do that's what i do um and it, it bothers me because it kind of ruins the point of why we want to watch films and television. We were, we're doing it because we don't want to be restricted. We want to be a part of something that is not the general norm. Isn't that the point? Absolutely. Isn't that point? Yeah.
1: You know, it's crazy because society goes in waves when it comes to social acceptance. And, it goes in this wave of be yourself, be unique, let your freak flag fly and all of that other bullshit that they used to put on bumper stickers when we were growing up. And then it goes into this wave of you should try to be like everybody else and everybody. Now we're in this wave of everybody should be cisgender and heteronormative and, and you know, Christian and, you know, we should all be the same. Little houses on the hillside, little boxes made of Tiki tack, all of that shit. And I don't understand it. It's like, what? Like, you can't. And and it's not even a generational thing because I, 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 I feel like I've seen both waves of that as I was growing up, and I see both waves of it now because. Today's podcast
0: is sponsored by Authority Car Mods, a mod shop which I personally use for all my car needs, from my custom modifications to my vehicle general maintenance, tire repair, and discount pricing. These guys do great work and their prices are literally killing the competition. Located here in South Florida in West Coral Springs, right off the sample road exit, not only are they super accessible, but open late nights with appointments. So don't wait. Follow them on Instagram at authority underscore car underscore mods, or call their office line, which is 954-798-1602. And book
1: your spot now. Today, for example, you'll see trans acceptance more more mainstreamed in the media than it's ever been, right? Right. Yet, at the same time, the numbers of trans women of color murdered every year continues to go up every single year.
0: So they're, they're, the flip they're, side not, of them, they're not – see, the thing is they're not, they're not looking at the bigger picture because when you take – when you take generational wise, okay. When they take people like I'm considered to be generation Z, the problem is that for people, my age, I'm born 99. So anybody that's born 99, 98, 96, sorry, 98, 99, 98, 97, 96. Mm -hmm. We're not a part of the generation that grew up in the two thousands. We had a -hmm. very different childhood than people before 97 and after 99 on And what was our childhood? I'll tell you exactly what it was. We had to go through after what happened to 9-11. We had to go Mm -hmm. through Sandy Hook. We had to go through trauma, abuse, through the roof. And some of us went through it worse than others. Some of us didn't experience it at all. But the point is, is like they're painting a picture that I've never seen. I never Mm -hmm. saw that picture. That picture doesn't exist. You're, you're, You're telling me this. But where is it where where is the supposed supposed uh change you claim? I don't see it
1: right. My generation is the generation before yours I, I, I'm a categoric millennial, right and so I do blame a lot of the issues and and a, and a lot of the unpreparedness I feel like your generation has for this world on my generation um. Because I feel like, you know, my generation was raised to kind of like break these curses and not instill the same traumas that our parents instilled on us. However, they didn't prepare us to go through our own traumas and our own shit. So my generation was kind of caught in that crux of, you know, not doing what our parents did, but also not allowing your children to be themselves because you still want them to be better than you. You still want them to have a better life than you had. And I think my generation going into yours is more like, we just want to let everybody be themselves, do whatever they want, no constrictions, no type of, you know, whatever. Just let just, just fly free, right? And so it goes from one extreme to, to the other, where it's like, you're either completely sheltered or you have zero structure at all. And there's no middle ground. So it's like, there's no cohesion between the generations because there's no learning from the generation before you to take into not on like a widespread thing. Do, do, does that make sense? Like, does. like, 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 cause like the exception is to the rule are the people who should be teaching the masses. Yeah. I
0: mean like, okay, so here's, here's, here's the deal. Like and I just realized this like on on this podcast, Eli, which is um, the one of our co-hosts, and she does Peace of Mind. She was hey, born. Eli. Hmm? Hey, Eli. <laughs> um, we had this conversation where she's an early millennial. I think she was born eighty three, I think it was eighty-three or eighty-four. On um, mm-hmm. Carissa was born eighty-nine, and mm-hmm. Henry, I believe, was ninety-two or ninety-three. Don't quote me on this. I'm terrible with years, but the point is, is that so I'm you have right in the
1: mix of there.
0: Yeah, you have literally three generations of people having three three different perspectives on life, and just like you said, we're Eli grew up with hippie parents. Carissa grew up with parents that were Midwesterners. You know, mm-hmm. Henry grew up in a very sovereign conservative home um i grew up from parents that were older you know Mm -hmm. but they also had their different perspective the thing that we the thing that people kind of forget is what our parents are teaching us now is just the repercussion of what their parents taught it's always a ripple of what Mm -hmm. happened previously is how you're inflicted that makes any sense that's how
1: yeah because people tell us all the time that like as we get older we become our parents right Mm -hmm. and you know the more we try the the more that we try to fight it the more that we end up just like them like i've said my entire life i'll never end up like my mother i'll never be my mother i'm just like my fucking mom today i'm just like her in the good ways and the bad ways which is the part that I think that we don't think about because we all try to like not inflict the trauma that our parents inflicted on us or into our children or like carry that into our our relationships and et cetera. But then you don't necessarily think about the good parts of your parents that get instilled in you as well. And it's like with good comes bad. The problem is we need to learn to be more open about our traumas with our children because we try to keep our children from going through the things that we went through, keep our children from being us. You know, I want you to be better than me. I didn't want you to end up like me. Ah." But they're going to have their own traumas and their own lives and they're going to go through their own shit. So it's like you have to prepare them for trauma in a general sense. And maybe if you're more open with your own, they'll kind of take what you learned or learn something from your story and navigate their own. It's like... (sighs) You can't protect them from shit they don't know about. That's all I'm saying.
0: No, and it's true. I mean like I I had the same thing where um Can I
1: curse on here? I'm sorry oh, cuz yeah, I have a party now.
0: No, that, that you can fucking <laughs> curse as much as you like on this podcast. We can say all the curse words. Um Don't tempt me with a good time. <laughs> uh, so don't for worry. me <laughs> So for me, I I could totally relate to this because you know, my whole entire childhood, everybody told me I was just like my father. I looked just, I, okay, you know what? Um, I'm going to actually see if I can find this picture while I'm talking. Um, nice. <laughs> this is crazy. But anyway, what basically happened was because I I looked like my father, I hated that. Okay? It was just like, no, I don't. You know, as a kid, I was like, no, 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 you know? and No it bothered it bothered me for it bothered me for a very long time um and then you know he passed away a few years ago
1: my condolences
0: yeah and i i i just i realized you know here was a person that um like i try to run away from my entire life um and then you know like this whole idea of like you turning into your parent i hate to say like i i have qualities of my dad and i'm i think that's what makes me okay all right this was my dad my age wow yeah so wow so like exactly this, like it like scared some of my family members i had some family members who were telling me like you look exactly like you're and i'm going on a complete like stone phase right now but what the point i'm trying to make is is that it's not a bad thing to turn into your parents remember that down to the molecular level you are the dna of your mother and your father it it makes Absolutely. it makes sense you would have those kind of characteristics it's baked into what makes you you
1: oh well, that was a- yeah and i think people are always scared of that part of it because they don't want to take the negative parts and they never think about the good parts and then when they do think about the good parts it's like oh i look like this person or you know da da da, da, da. and they the thing is they end, they always end up taking one without the other. Right. So it's like, they take the good and they embrace the good and they never think about the bad or they're running so far away from the bad that they never think about the good. And it's like, you're going to be an amalgamation of your parents, no matter what, because those, those are the people that created you. You just have to take like, it's like this Bruce Lee quote that I have tattooed on my stomach. It says, um, um, Take in what is useful, discard what is not, and add what is uniquely your own. So you have to take the good, make the best out of that, learn from the bad, and discard of that that um, trauma, deal with it, let that go, and then add what is uniquely your own as a combination of that because you're going to end up, even though you are your parent's child, you're still an individual person. Like You're still going to be yourself. So just because those two people created you doesn't mean that you're going to actually be those two people.
0: Right. Yeah. I mean, I um, I have also a, a quote tattoo, which was my first tattoo, which is uh, from Walt Disney. I know people have problems with Walt Disney, but it's a powerful quote, which is it's kind of fun to do the impossible. And it relates so well to this. It's where it is. It's kind of fun to do the impossible. You know what the impossible is, is accepting you are your parents.
1: That is impossible. That is definitely one of the impossibles. Absolutely. Absolutely. And Mm I, and you know what? I think that's part of like first step training when it goes into parenthood. It's like, if you even think about having children, if you even think about putting yourself in a position to have children, I think that you should always consider what you took from your parents, because if you haven't dealt with that, own that, embrace that, whatever the case, whatever you need to do with that, if you haven't dealt with that, you're not only going to be taking your own traumas into your child's life, you're going to be taking your parents' traumas into your child's life, too, because the way that you deal with your traumas is a manifestation of the traumas you haven't dealt with from your parents. Yeah, yeah. You're, you're just fucking your children up and compounding their trauma.
0: It's a paradox. It's, it's a. Yes. When I say paradox, what I mean, it's kind of like a video game where you have the component you're controlling. And this may sound sadistic or scary, but it's not. What I'm tr- trying to tell you is your parents are just continuing a program that's been manifested for years. You know, just like a video game, you have those updates that come there and there. And when you have, when you have this paradox, this vision, you just continue this, you know, this pattern. What, 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 what just happened?
1: Children is what just happened. Oh, damn. like like like, listen there's a whole sign in here that like says that i'm doing something that is that like clearly says on air that i tell my um child um can you please not make a lot of noise while we're doing this because like i'm doing something and i'm being recorded and and i'm working and so me being able to hear my child out here screaming i was like hold on one second let me be a black mom really quick (laughs) what is going on and then you can leave the dog outside like what is what is going on but please keep talking i I, I, I am all the way tuned in
0: um but what i'm trying to say is very shortly because i went on a, a complete whirlwind um there's this like manual when it comes to parenting you have you have this issue where Parents just keep on continuing the same thing over and over again. Um, and again, like I'm, I'm not I'm a person, I don't actually, I don't have kids. Um, you know, I do have a cat, but that's not, you know, having a child. But I, I do, I do see parents that try to try different tactics, different techniques, listening to different people, listening to different ideas Um. And it's really cool to see diverse parents. I've never, I never even thought that was a thing until I met a couple that was like that. They were just a diverse parent. We don't understand this. And it's crazy because I am turning 24. I'm 23 years old. I'm not that old, but so many things have changed since I was a kid. I mean, it just makes sense. It just makes sense for, diverse parents to be a real thing and i think it's honestly i i think it's a lot has to do with with how the lgbt community has been able to have marriage on the table and i know like it's such a like you know government and it's not i don't know it just it, it i feel like it changes the dynamic up a little bit
1: I agree with that. And to your point, like I wish my my parents would have embraced their diversity with me or at least my mother, because that was the one that I was predominantly raised with. Um, I'm half Panamanian and my mother is full blooded Panamanian. She's a she's a Panamanian woman. She's lived in this country since she was like very young and all of that. But like she's still a Panamanian woman that was raised by a Panamanian woman with full Panamanian culture. Right. And so it boggles me every day that my mother didn't raise me with Panamanian culture. Like she literally just kind of raised me as just another black kid. And so I've always grown up feeling like there was this part of me that was missing or this part of me that I didn't understand because I didn't know that side of myself. I didn't understand like what my Panamanian culture was. And so as I'm getting older now, I'm trying to get more into that and learn about my, my Panamanian heritage. But I feel like it's put me a step back when it comes to my kid is because I can't teach her about half of me because I don't know anything about it. So to your point, diverse parents should be a thing. And when they are diverse parents, they they should embrace being diverse parents. I feel like a lot of It's crazy that this country is supposed to be a melting pot and a place that's supposed to be the land of opportunity where, you know, people come from other countries to embrace their dreams and be their best selves. Yet a lot of people come to this country and they end up trying to assimilate. Yeah. (laughs) They end up trying to whitewash. They end up trying to, you know, clear out the uniqueness of their culture so that they can just get by in this country that we end up not having a fully developed diverse sense of ourselves
0: on the flip side my dad he exposed me to his culture but didn't teach me his language so the crazy thing about Oz, and i've had conversations with my brother about this is he never taught us proper arabic he never taught mm-hmm. me proper french i can't speak do you understand this i can't speak to my family in israel because we don't speak the same language Okay. Wow. Um, but I know I know our history. This is crazy. I know our history, I know where we come from, I know the countries that we reside in right now, I know family names. But I don't know the fucking
1: language. How does that happen? Cause I can blame my mother for not teaching me Spanish because she doesn't know Spanish. But I can blame her for not instilling the 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 Panamanian accent in me or not teaching me like traditional Panamanian foods because when she talks to her mother she speaks like a full-blooded Panamanian woman with the heavy accent and 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 all of that but then when she's not on the phone speaking to her direct family member she sounds like just a regular old old American woman that bothers me and I wonder why that is, because I would have loved to have a Panamanian accent growing up <laughs> and embrace that. Like I grew up during the time when being um, being biracial, being foreign, being ethnic, being diverse was poppy. You was cool if you was mixed with something back in my day. You know what I'm saying? You was you was hot. You was spicy. If, if you was mixed, with, especially if you was mixed with something that had a little Spanish twang on it. Oh, you was it. So like to just not even be able to connect to that and then to not even feel like I look quote unquote Panamanian like I feel like I just look Black right? So it's like I can't even connect to it in look.
0: Not necessarily. Oh well thank you. I, I don't. Well I appreciate that. I, You know something yeah. this is also like I'm going to say this because I've been exposed to a lot of Black culture. I grew up around Jamaicans and Haitians um Nigerians, Kenyans and I, I this is just me i i think you can you can see there's diverse culture within black people i when you mm-hmm. see haitian culture you see jamaican culture you see um this other country i i just my brain i'm sorry um there's a lot You're of fine. other there's a lot of other countries but we tend to like to I don't want to get into a whole, you know, culture facade. I'm not interested in that. All I'm saying is I'm one of those people. I like to learn more. Okay. So you Mm -hmm. say Latin people. All right. What is Latin? Okay. And you're like, well, there's Panamanian. um, There's Nicaraguan. um, I'm not pronouncing that correctly. I can never pronounce it correctly. Guatemalan. You (laughs) you have all these different cultures and then you can dig it into it more. That's just me. That's how I like to learn how the world works. Um, And I'm not saying this works for everybody, but.
1: Well, I mean, I feel like it should, especially when you embrace the differences in people when you want to, like, you know, you embrace that in somebody when it makes them more, more attractive. You embrace that when you want, when you think about having children and like, what. (laughs) <laughs> like what your children's hair texture will be you know what i'm saying like these conversations come into play in the weirdest places yet a lot of people don't invest in actually learning about the culture they just care about the label that go- that goes along with it and how that dna will like resonate into their children or like oh oh so you dominican oh so that mean that my baby gonna have you know some real real some real three feet hair and green eyes it's like that's not what this is about well look, not what look, it's about. Look, look, that's look. not why you should embrace okay. being dominican
0: girl girl <laughs> if you have dominican you got to mix in something a little bit more spicy you got to put in there like a little mexican okay if you put mexican and that was dominican, just the first
1: thing that came to my it, mind
0: it, you know the 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 mexican counterreacts the dominican and then you kind of get like a half breed of like both mexican and dominican And in short, you get a six foot five, tall, curly black hair, light brown eyes, and he will fucking murder the shit out of you. His name is Papi. Papi Santana. Always. 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 And I'm not just like throwing this. I actually know somebody like that.
1: (laughs) Shout out to him.
0: He's a sweet guy, though. He's very tall, but he's a very sweet guy. He's not like that at all.
1: I've dated a guy just like that. <laughs> so I get it. I'm like, yeah, I understand. Yeah, he's out there. They're
0: the tall friend I call them the tall friendly giants because mm-hmm. um I know somebody out here also, he's uh he's an indigenous Ecuadorian, big guy. You know, he looks like he looks like and I'm not trying to judge him, but he looks like a person that will like will murder you.
1: Um love that for him.
0: He's the sweetest guy. Like I I, I like you just, for me, I just want to give the guy a hug. Um, mm-hmm. I feel like that's also like something. Uh, I'll, I'll be honest. I feel like when you have certain disabilities, like I have learning disabilities, um, and when you you have to learn how to see the world through your own eyes, mm-hmm. and you see people for who they are, and you learn them. And you find out more. And I love when people surprise you. You know, like, oh, I didn't know you. I didn't know you did that. Oh, my God. That's so
1: cool. Get out of here. Me too. It's wonderful. I, I, I think that's why I'm so obsessed with docu-style television and like documentaries, reality shows, um, docu-shows, like things like that is because I'm obsessed with learning about real people. And like, while I, while it's fun to invest in a character, I do enjoy seeing how real people react to situations in real time. And because I didn't get the chance to be a foreign exchange student, we've talked about this, um, I like to learn about different cultures and different types of people in, a, in, in as many ways as I can. But, because I'm also reclusive. We've also talked about that. I don't, you know, leave my home. So what's the best way to learn about people when you live inside a bubble, you go and watch documentaries, you go and watch all the things of the things, you go and watch YouTube and you watch real people talk about their own damn lives. Mm. And, you know,
0: it's just as hard. I'll tell you something. I, I feel I feel like the most powerful people in the world, when I say powerful, I'm talking about people that, you know, they're, they have that drive, not actual power. Fuck those motherfuckers. Fuck them in the ass. Um, fuck the man. <laughs>
1: Love that for you. Yeah, yeah. But like really though.
0: Um, But the, the people that have that drive, that fierce uh, desire. And these are people that are heavily fucked up. Okay. They went through trauma and abuse and. And you know something, they, they, they give us the best fucking music. They give us the best fucking art. They give us the best fucking movies and films because they're taking their trauma and their pain and they're creating a tool out of it, which is their art.
1: You know, I wish that that was more present and at the forefront of why people created art because now music and art has been so sensationalized and it's been so about the capital and about the money and about um, what you can get out of being in the music industry versus why people want to create music in the first place. And I think... That if we actually resorted our ear back around true stories and um, songwriters and, you know, the reality that comes with music, I think that it'll help people understand and relate more because I think a lot of that energy that is put into music nowadays translate to how people present themselves on social media. Do you get what I mean?
0: Well, the biggest, I, I think the biggest problem we face right now is the underground and the underground scene was usually very prominent and easier to find, but we've reached mm-hmm. a point where it's very hard to find the underground And the reason is, is because there's so much today, you know, to to find the underground, you must dig deep beneath. Um, But the truth is, you know, like if you start following people that are a part of the underground, like on Instagram or social media, you'll Mm -hmm. start finding others along the way. So Mm -hmm. unfortunately, I think even with as fast as things have gotten, it's a slower process for a lot of things still much slower process
1: and i think that has a lot to do with it i think that because things are such instant gratification instant movement you just click a button and it loads you you don't have to think about very much anymore you just press it and it happens yes i think that people don't have to take the time to think about anything anymore people don't have to take the time to process people don't have to take the time to actually realize what's going on or what they're doing or the impact of what decision they're making could be having because people are so focused on instant gratification that they're not thinking about the long-term impact of these quick decisions do you oh, yeah. get what i'm saying yeah it just once again with that good comes bad yes you know it's like it's like can you order something one line now and your food be here in 30 minutes so you don't have to cook sure yeah but because you're doing it that quickly you're also not thinking about all of the steps that your food has to go through to get to you
0: and monitor and monetary
1: and on top of that you're paying more just for it to get to you like the like like you're paying to be lazy you know what I'm yeah. saying yeah Cause like DoorDash, like I love y'all down, but but it just almost feels like a scam. (laughs) It almost feels like a scam. Like it just almost, like it just, I don't understand. Like it almost feels like you're paying for your food twice just just to get it delivered to you. And it's like, Jesus, like I want people to make their money but it's like, I know. Why am I paying $20 for Wendy's? It's it just doesn't make sense.
0: Because it's Wendy's and the burgers are in the shape of a square. So, you know, it's better for you.
1: Exactly. <laughs> that That's how you know it's healthy. That's how you know it's USDA approved. That's how you know it's vegan. Yeah, because it's kosher. Yeah, it's a square.
0: <laughs> it's the dumbest like, shit.
1: It's the dumbest shit. I don't understand that. Like, like, like that's the shit that boggles me about Wendy's is that you brag about your food never being frozen, but you don't talk about it being oddly shit. Huh. Okay, but,
0: sure. I, I think like kind of just like tying this back is where we live in a fast, quick society where things just come to you within the snap of a finger. Um, like you said, in... You know, I I am one of those people that will say this. I remember there was a time when there was no demand, so we just had cable, and um, you wanted to watch a movie, uh, you would have to go, Mom, Mom, what? I want to go to Blockbuster. Ugh, it's six thirty. I want to go to Blockbuster, and you you would get in the car with your mom, and you'd go to Blockbuster, and you get you'd pick out a fucking movie for the night. Um, you had to do all that shit if you wanted to watch movies. Now we can just fucking sit mm-hmm. on our couch, press a button, we watch a movie. That didn't exist when I was a kid. None of that existed. Yeah.
1: Like, I even think about like, I I was the generation that first started having like, just cell phones, right? Like, kids having cell phones. That was my generation, right? Now, mind you, in the 80s, kids had the big ass, like, you know, the big old book bag phone. Bertha, what honey, I'm it, was Ber- about.
0: It, it was Bertha. It was a Bertha phone.
1: It, it was literally as big as my dog. Like, I'm putting the entire animal <laughs> up to my ear. Like, hi. It's like, hi. Can you hear me? No, you can't. Cost a dollar but a minute. A dollar a minute. Terrible reception. There's cords everywhere. Like, it's ridiculous. But my generation had the first like regular, like actual cell phones, right? That we know of today. Like anyway. And we didn't have like YouTube on our phones. We didn't have like Netflix. We 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 didn't have streaming services. Oh, huh. We didn't have social media.
0: Nope some of us social did. media
1: was invented in my generation
0: well some um Think there about were, that. well there were some phones that you could have done messaging back and forth like we had my generation i had a sidekick so i remember oh, um
1: the best days best i uh, nothing will ever beat a blackberry for me but i did love sidekick i so. loved it
0: and like the best thing like you could text and people for, okay so People forget, like, kind of the main reason why we used to abbreviate, like, LOL, LMFAO, and all this is because we used to have to pay for characters. So, my monthly plan, and I remember this, was 600 minutes mm-hmm. and 1,000 characters. A 1,000 uh, characters!
1: My first plan was, like, I think it was maybe, like, 750, 1,000 minutes and, like, 500 texts or some shit, like... It's horrible. You're paying me by the text message? That is uh, uh, piracy. Piracy. It's robbery.
0: And then, you know, like people forget like why we used to call very late at night was because after nine. Because we had
1: to. That's when it was free. Yeah. (laughs) Ah, Call me after seven, girl, my daytime minutes. I ain't got enough minutes. Call me after seven when it's free. Don't do that. Uh -uh. Uh, 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 Uh-uh. Like, girls don't have to think about that. Every plan is unlimited. Every plan is unlimited. Every plan is unlimited.
0: I love that for you, Kate. Again, instant gratification. Sorry. This is what it comes back to, is when you have this instant gratification, you don't have to think. You could just...
1: Yeah, we had to think about what we said because we was paying by the text message. We had to think about the shit that we was typing. We, yeah. Our text messages back in the day were well thought out because we were paying by the character. We was paying by the text message. like We had to say what we had to say and get it out quick. Okay, okay. now y'all don't got to think about that. Y'all got all type of Wi-Fi, iMessages, and, and all that shit. Y'all can talk all the shit y'all want to down to the Twitter and don't have to think nothing <laughs> about it. And now true. with the iOS 16, y'all can edit messages now. Yeah. Y'all could talk shit and then go back and fix it. I love oh, it.
0: Damn. I love it. Don't
1: I sound like I'm 60? <laughs> I sound like I'm 55 and i, I I'm, I'm just 23. Whew. This is what I mean when I say that I'm 31, but I project myself to be 60 because I remember when they, like I come from a, like the, me growing up is so completely different than the way that this generation is growing up now. Like I remember when they used to send you the internet in the mail on CD.
0: Yeah, AOL Online. I remember, I remember the login. Remember, we, I don't quote me on this. Um, I remember as a kid, I believe we had dial-up in our in our house, and I remember like the little, the little guy, the little triangular guy used to start bouncing around, and that meant it was yes. loading.
1: Um, yes i remember that and
0: you know like i will say this though i i still love the the new generation now and yeah we love y'all with the spoiled asses <laughs> but the thing is is that with their with their spoiled asses they <laughs> they have more opportunity they, than we did they do and mm-hmm. They can do a lot more than we can and it's not something that we didn't do enough but we couldn't have done more because we didn't have we had to do a
1: whole lot we had to work a whole lot harder to get half as far as y'all do yes. just like down to even this raggedy ass music y'all making nowadays we had to get discovered we had to go pay money we had to go beg our parents for money to go yeah. into a studio first you had to convince them to- to believe in your raggedy ass raps and then convince them that it was worth taking you to the studio and paying their money to put you in a studio for a pipe dream in the first damn place. (laughs) So you had to so like back in our day, you had to actually be talented to make music because you actually had to convince people to believe in you to even get you in the studio to make your damn music. Now you can download GarageBand and your iPhone, slap a damn song on Slowncast SoundCloud and have 20 million views by next Friday. I Shout know, out to Doja Cat's move.
0: <laughs> I've noticed that though, but like I've seen I've seen rap artists bring back like old school gangster rap and people forget. Okay, this is going to blow people's minds away. Um, gangster rap back in the day. Yeah, people mm-hmm. weren't like shooting off like missiles and crisis and like bombs going off. No, no, no gangster rap was about community it was Mm -hmm. about our group our house Mm -hmm. our rules and then they turned it into like this violent and there were a lot of people to blame for this in the 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 late 80s but again I'm, i'm like i'm not shaming or anything what i'm trying to say is is that to be creative you actually have to do something to be creative if you just Mm -hmm. Just take a sticker and stamp it over here and take that sticker and put it over here.
1: Get out of here. It doesn't work. No, it doesn't work. And the reason why gangster rap worked was because it wasn't glorifying the gangster lifestyle. It was highlighting the unique perspective of what it was like to live in that neighborhood. It was saying, we want to make it out of this shit. You know what I'm saying? Back then, we were talking about how the drug dealer was a bad person. Now people are bragging about being like, like back then, you either bragged about how how evil the um, drug dealers were or you bragged about being the drug dealer because you had to provide for your mama now y'all are bragging about being drug addicts i don't know what that means <laughs> okay? I don't know why that makes no sense to me no but like people glorify being in the hood it, p- people glorify the shit that we were trying to get away from so that we could make a life for y'all asses to, to glorify about not actually living this life and that's the thing the shit that people were rapping about when I was growing up, like my favorite rappers are Ice Cube, Tupac, L O Cool J. They talked yes. about their actual experience, where they were in actual life, what was going on when they walked out of their door. Y'all talk about the shit y'all see on YouTube. Y'all talk about the shit that y'all see in your favorite rappers videos. Y'all talk about the y'all talk about the shit that, that your favorite rapper's favorite rapper talks about. Think and about it do like, be nothing y'all live in.
0: Think about like even like salt and pepper. It's just like later, you know, like they're kind of like the the
1: late 80s, 90s, late 80s, early 90s. Yeah.
0: I fucking love those girls. Okay.
1: Yes. They. They were amazing. I want a shoot, baby. Yeah. <laughs> that, that, that's my shit today. Honey. I, I still listen to Shoop on a regular basis. Honey. Shoot and know everywhere.
0: Shoot, na, na. okay. We're gonna, we, I, 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 we don't want to get slapped credits. On
1: um, listen, and I, I, I am not gonna get your show canceled. But all the people who are listening to this, when you're done with this podcast, go and listen to Salt and Pepper Shoop and thank me later
0: but like those okay so like i i I don't want to be like one of those old you know those old people like dreaming in the past but the past does teach us a lot about our future um Mm -hmm. and again not shitting on the future generations because i do love what the kids are doing now i love saying that the kids doing
1: now oh my god um (laughs) i embrace it i embrace being the old bitch in the club i embrace being the one to say back in my day (laughs) I love being that kid now. I love being that person, being like mm-hmm. I don't know what you kids are doing now. I don't understand this. Thing. Like I love mm-hmm. being the person that don't know who none of the new rappers are. I don't know. I any love any mother.
0: I don't know. Like somebody was telling me, okay, this is hilarious. This girl was at work. She was telling me. She's like, oh, I'm going to a Bad Bunny concert, and I'm like, excuse me, Bad Bunny. She's like, yeah, he's a rapper. I'm like named Bad Bunny and it, it turns out like he's this like super One of the famous. the l-
1: people in the fucking world. Yeah.
0: And I'm like, who the hell is this? I, I, I don't even know who this guy is or I, I don't even. I love that.
1: Oh my God. It was, oh, was an amazing moment. I embrace it. I love being the person who don't know who none of these damn rappers are. Don't understand nothing about what y'all talking about. I love don't, not knowing what the slang is. So I love saying, as the kids say now, you know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Like no cap. <laughs> I love being that. OK, but honey, we are
0: like, taking what you're talking about. we're taking sus. OK, sus is for our generations. All right. We get sus girl. All right. Y'all are just abbreviating shit that we used to say. <laughs> like,
1: <laughs> I know. Or like y'all are just repurposing shit that we're saying, like the city girls just shortened point blank period and just called it period. And y'all act like they created a whole new fucking word. Like, shout out to them. They made it a whole thing. Like, period is a wave. And anytime you hear period nowadays, you think about the city girls. But we've been saying point blank period forever. It's also like
0: kind of like the slang of like sissy that walk.
1: Yeah, like Lil' Kim said, uh, throw shade in the 90s. This is like, I'ma throw shade if I can't get paid. Blow you up to your girl like the army grenade. I ain't gonna get you flagged. but girl, crush on you. The '90s. Lil, Lil Kim been throwing shade in fur since 1993. Like, like, what are we talking about, children? I know, children.
0: <laughs> and like, the thing is, like, people forget. <laughs> people forget, like, a lot of the slang that exists in the ballroom and the drag is actually it, it i mean like Shantae watch paris is burning Light, grow you know, up you know <laughs> like Shantae you know like Shantae or um fab fabulous darling. Like, all of these things is like it's not new it's old None it's it. repurposed it is the, a lot of this is it's all repurposed
1: yeah like the same shit y'all talk about now with the same shit that the queens was was telling me when I was your age like I like I, I, I like I was having drag queens teaching me all about the tea and throwing shade when I was 15 too. So please don't act like RuPaul's Drag Race is teaching y'all shit. Now if that's what y'all learning it from, that's fine. <laughs> but understand that everything on RuPaul's Drag Race is referential. Everything on RuPaul's Drag Race is referencing something. So when drag race is teaching you these words like reading is fundamental and throwing shade and all of that stuff, all they're doing is teaching you Paris is burning.
0: It's kind of like the quote, the gay language.
1: Yes. Or as Republicans call it, the gay agenda, but, uh, but we're not going to get political here, but I just, but, but like, it really is just like people like, Just like Black people have Ebonics, right? Queer people have their own language. Like, and a lot of it comes from ballroom and drag culture. You just have to do your full extent of your homework. If you learned about it from RuPaul's Drag Race, that's great, but also take that step further and learn where the reference comes from. Learn what the reference is referencing. Because if you go to somebody my age and talk about RuPaul taught me about death drops, I'm gonna look at you like, like your ass is crazy.
0: Basically, you go on fishing.
1: You go on girl. What you, girl, <laughs> I'll be back in thirty minutes. I'm going on break. Don't worry about it. I'm going on break. I can't handle this because, first of all, to understand why I would just leave, leave you standing there just to break that down. First of all, it's not a death drop. It's called a dip. One, and when I was growing up. Drag queens did not do voguing. Like when drag queens vogued, it was like a gimmick. Like, 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 like the ballroom and the drag culture was very separate when I was growing up, right? Like, I didn't realize that there were like drag categories mm-hmm. in between. Like, I remember the old drag categories in the 90s, but then I didn't really see drag categories when I entered the ballroom at 18. And then all of a sudden, I now see drag drag. categories everywhere in the ballroom now so when I was growing up it was like you saw drag queens doing pageants and then you saw the trans girls doing balls right and every now and again you would see them mix and mingle because trans women did drag and all of that type of stuff but it was very separate so like while I credit Shangela for being the first person to do a dip on drag race, mm-hmm. the whole, like, it's just, there's this whole conversation around no that's happening. The problem, where there's a lot of drag culture that's disrespecting ballroom culture yeah. because they want to make it cool and make it cute. And they're making fetch happen because it's on TV, but it's like, you're teaching them the wrong shit.
0: It's like also when you take, so burlesque, um, burlesque mm-hmm. culture um and don't quote me on this but um burlesque trans culture around like what we call ballroom on the west coast not on the mm-hmm. east um because burlesque is more prominent out over there mm-hmm. you can see that now we're the girls you know the tra- um the drag queens that have that like you know the goth they're burlesque feel there's been a lot of problems over the years, you know, of one's coming over that one. There's a war tariff going with this one, that one cursed that one out on social media, this one, the things to younger people. Mm-hmm. I, I, I sometimes like, I feel like there's ways to avoid attracting the wrong kind of people and audience when you're trying to create mm-hmm. a creative project And I feel like those steps are being missed. I'm not going to say on purpose, but you can clearly see that they're being missed. They're not taking the same precautions that they need to be taking.
1: I feel like people get inspired by things, but don't actually credit the inspiration or do the actual research into the inspiration. I feel like people get inspired by Something and then they just take what they saw only and use that to go off and do whatever it is they do. Uh, kind of like how this noging thing that I was talking about happening about people fake voguing because they see people doing you know all of the little you know fake this and the that and the that and the that and they think it's voguing and it's not. There's a very strategic like way to do there are five elements to voguing like there's hand performance dips spins and turns all the things of the thing and so it's like you have to if you're going to reference something actually reference what it is like don't take something you saw and then just automatically think that that's the whole basis of what it is because when you look when people criticize you for it later and you realize you don't have the extensive history of what it is you're doing, you're gonna feel crazy defending yourself for some shit that you're not even informed about.
0: Uh you you posted on Instagram, I don't know her real name. She plays Electra um in pose. Dominique Jackson. Dominique Jackson. Um mm-hmm.
1: she... get the shoes, baby. Get the shoes. Okay.
0: She was commenting on this person that couldn't understand this video, um, around you know a trans person. I I didn't watch the video. I couldn't find it to be honest with you. Um,
1: what she was responding to yeah. was somebody. This propaganda that that a trans woman was involved in the murder of Shanquella. I can't remember her last name, but. People are running with this narrative that it was a trans woman that beat her to 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 the point of death. Right. And I'm not invested in this whole story. I deal with enough death and I have enough trauma. I just send my condolences to, to the family and pray that the people who who did this get caught and I protect my peace and keep it pushing. But. There's this narrative going around that that a trans person was involved, and that story has been broken down and debunked. However, people are not listening to the entire video and getting the entire story. So they're taking a headline or a, or or a sound bite or or a piece of clickbait, and they're running and creating an entire narrative off of some bullshit. Right. So Dominique Jackson was responding to the person saying that the clip that you're even responding to, you didn't watch the whole video, because if you had watched that whole video, you would have realized that what they were saying was that that person was not involved and that there was no note no trans person involved in this murder in the first place. So while you're sitting here taking this, this small clip and going and creating a whole nother video, you're now allowing thousands of other people to dive into your comments and to respond to that created fake ass narrative that is uninformed because you didn't bother to watch the whole video. So now you want to spread propaganda and bullshit in a society that is already pledged with untapped, unprotected, ungauged, uncared about trans murder. You're done. Oh, 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 oh. You're done. Log off. Log off, delete the account and go fill out a job application.
0: This is exactly how I would hear her doing it if this was Pose right now. Just Elektra, <laughs> I, I can, I know the dress. It's the purple one that has a low shoulder. Okay, the black heels. I know exactly what you're <laughs> The pearl earrings, the hair up, the glossy red lips, and just.
1: Yeah, oh, and I've heard that a lot. And I didn't realize that I talk like that, it, but like I grew up around women like that. Like I grew up around trans women and drag queens in that culture. Like I grew up around those type of women. So I guess it's just embedded in me. Like like, like, like like, I said, I joined my first drag house at 15 years old. Shout out to the House of Chanel. So like when you hear about the uh, queens who were, you know, the minors sneaking in the club, holding their mom's drag, sneaking in the club, background dancing for the girls so they didn't have to pay, getting snuck drinks backstage by the little older guy that likes them. That was me. I was that kid who was 15 years old getting drunk as fuck backstage because the bartender thought I was cute. Like, all of that background dancing for my drag mom, like, all of that type of stuff. So I grew up in that culture. I was Damien. Like, I literally was Damien growing up. Except I was Damien younger. Like, I think when the show started, Damien was like 17, 18 years old. I met my first drag mother at 15 years old and never looked back. Yeah. Shout out to Malaya Chanel Um,
0: <clears throat> Sorry. I mean, this has been, this has been, a really crazy amazing conversation and i love how we're ending it because it it tells a new story and to be very honest which is weird. so there you know i, I always say this like all right trans people cool yeah, <laughs> what, 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 what do you want me to what, what do you want you like, like they're a person. I mean, if they're cool, I'll hang out with them. If you want to get a drink, I, I'm I, at a point in my life. I'm serious. We're and I feel like other people are getting to this, too. If it if it doesn't revolve around your life, who gives a fuck? How does it affect you? Seriously.
1: That is the credit that I do give to this generation. It seems like a lot of the kids growing up are like, girl, that ain't my damn business. Like, that's them and it's like they're seeing it so much now. They see trans people in their regular lives. They see gay people in their regular lives. They homeboy gay. They sisters trans. Like, they don't give a fuck now. Like, they have trans and gay parents, and so it's like, now it's like, girl, so what? Like, girl, we see it now. So what? So what? Like, girl, whatever. Like, and, and you probably trans, bitch. So what? I love that about this generation. Like, this is really like a I don't give a fuck generation. Like, they like, girl, I don't care. Like, are you a good person? Yeah. Like, I feel like that's, I've been pushing that bandwagon for years. Like, I've been pushing that wheelbarrow uphill for years, and nobody has been on my side with that. They're like, no, but you, no, but like, but you were born this. And I'm like, no, bitch, but it doesn't matter though, because you're not the same person you were when you grew up either
0: no
1: okay but you know that's not a conversation y'all want to have
0: <laughs> people gotta be real people gotta be real honest
1: um so and real with yourself first child. Be, be real with yes. yourself because you can't call yourself keeping it real with nobody if you can't be real with your damn self no shade
0: so true um who oh please let our uh, listeners know how they can find you and your awesome work and podcast. Um, I'm gonna leave of course links um, in the description so everybody be, be able to find uh, the work and uh, I'm serious like you know thank you so much like again, like this is this is the mission of the podcast. the mission of the podcast is get lost in the groove. We got a great conversation. we go to different directions, different levels. Um,
1: Absolutely,
0: find out that I'm ser- uh, secretly the identical clone of my father.
1: Dom, On um, is that a secret? Clone?
0: No, everybody. Everybody in my family knows. Everybody knows.
1: Everybody knows. Like, I feel like your mom wasn't even involved. Like, was she there for the so, conception?
0: It turns out, like, I'm only twenty percent. Um of my mom's dna and this is the crazy i've had a dna test done i am there's a very small percentage of me that's actually caucasian i'm like only like five or six percent very low number um that's great for you and it's just, it's horrible feeling because when I told this to my mom, like, she started crying. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Sorry, mom. I didn't, I didn't say it like that. Sorry.
0: No, no but like, <laughs> like, we just got over it. And like, she found out I was like 37% Italian and then she felt all better. She found out I was like 37
1: ah, 30- <laughs> <laughs> It was all better. Why?
0: Yeah, because yeah, I can say fettuccine, linguine, Alfredo it's just pastas
1: and not be appropriating the accent (laughs) right it's just pastas but it makes you sound real real authentic and real organic
0: yeah oh yeah real thick like olive oil Uh, (laughs) (laughs) um but yeah i'm sorry um how can our listeners find your content
1: well you can find i have a couple podcasts out right now and then i have a few more launching in in um mid-december right now you can find my my two podcasts, Real Reality, Realness and Housewives History. Wherever podcasts are at right now, they're on all the um, streaming platforms. Um, If you want to find them on social media, you can go on Talent Group Podcasts. Not spelled any weird way, all one word, Talent Group Podcasts and that's basically the hub for all of my shows all of my shows have an instagram page so if you look up the name of the show real reality realness you'll you'll find the instagram page housewives history you'll find the instagram page but talent group podcast is the place where i post about all of the stuff so you'll be able to find all the things that i do in one place right um in mid-december i'll be launching two podcasts about love is blind one Mm -hmm. called two pods four walls with my co-host cj the housewife collector where we'll be talking about Love is Blind, the American version. We're going to be going back to the very beginning, watching from season one, episode one. And we're going to be talking about the complexities of love and relationships when it comes to this experiment and it being wrapped in reality television, but also from the dynamics of somebody who's single and in their 20s and somebody who's married and in their 30s. And then I have a second podcast on Love is Blind called Blind Love Abroad, where I react to the international versions of Love is Blind, Love is Blind Brazil, and then eventually Love is Blind Japan. And I talk about basically getting to know this Love is Blind experiment further, but also learning about the the cultures of the countries that the spinoffs are set in because I never got to be a foreign exchange student this is my third time saying it I'm like really pressed about it apparently um <laughs> and then my last two podcasts are called Sean Ellis Rogers is not Kathy Griffin which is all about me rewatching Kathy Griffin's tv show and her comedy specials and just talking about how that's my favorite reality show ever and about how iconic and just all of the pop culture that she covered through her comedy specials back in the day. And then there's another one called back to black throwbacks where I watch classic black sitcoms. Like the
0: but Jefferson's. You can
1: find like the Jefferson's good times. Yes. Ah, 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 like, ah, ah, ah. Uh, we're watching all the black sitcoms. So my first season of that show is going to be Black Pilots. So it's going to be the first episode of like all of the best black sitcoms, the Cosby show, a different world, Stanford and son, good times, the Jeffersons, Moesha, girlfriends. We're going to watch it all. It's but yeah, wonderful. find me a talent group podcast, or if you can't remember that Sean Ellis Rogers, it's just my name. Yes. The link to all of my stuff is in all of my, my um pages. So whatever you find you'll be able to find me
0: yeah and um thank you so much for being a part of this uh and
1: thank you for having me i really appreciate it because you reached out to me thank you so much uh, like that doesn't all happen time. a lot thank you
0: I, that you know and i'll leave off with this to our listeners sometimes it just takes a little bit of a little bit of courage just to get you one step further to your goal so uh we'll see you all on the next episode of Lost in the Groove. Bye, everybody.